Dave from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. How you doing, Darren Patterson? I'm doing good, John Trumbull, and I'm doing great because today we have a guest. What? We do. I did not expect this. <laughs> just, just came by surprise, like a total shock. I, I was not informed ahead of time. Right. This well, this is like uh, we do improv here, baby. We're like an improv podcast. We we, we spring things up at the, at the last minute. You got to yes and it. I, I am gonna yes and it, and yes, and we have a really awesome guest. There it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why don't you introduce the guest? Oh, I thought you were gonna introduce the guest. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm gonna let you do it. Well, I'm gonna okay, give you the honor. Okay. Well, we ha- we have a very special guest. We have uh, one of our friends from comedy. She's a brilliant stand-up uh, comedian, like one of the one of my favorites to see on stage. We have Miss Jackie Byrne. Hey, nerds. <laughs> hey, nice. Jackie. How you doing? I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me. How are you? Uh, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. How are you doing? How are you dealing with? all the world craziness going on right now? I'm just choosing to ignore it like everyone else. <laughs> and uh, I'm just trying to stay, uh, stay positive as best as I can. That's, that's good. You're, you're going like the, with the hold, hold steady on that. Yeah. Nice. I'm kind of ready for the variant to be honest with you, but that's just <laughs> me. Wow. You're ready. Like, let's bring it back. No, <laughs> just me. Okay. <laughs> you, just want, you just want it all to burn down just no no i don't want it all to burn down i just feel like i'm not totally ready to go back into real life got it yeah none that of makes us sense? yeah no yeah. none of us are yeah i'm not yeah. ready for That's... real clothes and like actually trying i've had a long time without that so yeah like imagine we got to like shower and go outside with mm. pants on it makes nope. me tired. It makes yeah. me tired. No, yeah. it's, it's so much work. It's it so is. Much work. Overrated. It is. It, it really is. is. And we're, we're really excited to have you on the podcast because we actually, this is kind of a funny story. We tried to have you on the podcast once before and we reached out to you <laughs> some time ago and yes. said, hey, Jackie, would you like to guest star on the SNL Nerds podcast and talk about this thing? And mm-hmm. And you said an interesting thing to us. <laughs> well, I said I would love to, but I can't right now because I just gave birth. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was doing during the quarantine. <laughs> you had a baby like literally a couple wow. weeks before we we asked you. I know, so yeah. crazy. At least it was a good enough excuse, though, right? I mean, you know, I that was lying. A, the right? best possible excuse. Exactly. That is. I yeah. thought so. And it, it came to a surprise to everybody because, like, you, I mean, you you kind of took a break from social media and, like, yeah. no yeah. no one knew about this. This was, this was a whole, like, a, a, a big old surprise, baby. And this, yeah. this, this was during quarantine, so we literally had no idea you were even pregnant. It was just like, hey, had a kid. <laughs> well, yeah, because I was, like, newly pregnant. I did a few shows pregnant, but no one knew. Right. Um, and then and then the pandemic hit, and then I was like, this is amazing. Like, talk about, like, good timing. Um, it just happened to work out, but because no one saw me, no one no one knew. Yeah. That's I great. highly recommend it, guys. If you want to <laughs> knock up a female, 
definitely do it during quarantine. It's wonderful for them. Oh, it damn it. That. I missed my window. You <laughs> missed it. Darren, I'm telling you. All right. I yeah. forgot about it. I totally forgot about it. I was too busy worrying about, you know, food and shelter and my, I lo- know. my loved no, ones. No, you got to do it. That's why I'm going to bring back the variant for you. Please do. Yes. Yeah. I w- I won't. I won't drop the ball this time around. No, exactly. I'll let you know exactly when the right time is. <laughs> text me. Text me. I'll text you exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy we're going to talk about some improv, which is yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, that we're this week we're covering a movie that is all about improv comedy, which is a movie written and directed by Mr. Mike Berbiglia called "Don't Think Twice." Uh, yeah, uh, like you said, written, directed by Berbiglia. Came out uh, almost five years ago now. It uh, came out on July 22nd, 2016. So the five-year anniversary is coming up. Had a budget of 2.4. It grossed about 4.4. So it was like a modest hit, I guess you'd mm-hmm. say. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I remember watching this movie in the theater. Actually, uh, John, I texted you the um, my Facebook post about it. I, I was able to find it. And I, yeah. saw it, I saw it in August of like uh, 2016. I was like, oh, this movie's really good. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those movies that, I'll, I mean, I don't know how many people, you know, people outside of the comedy world have seen it. But since all of my friends are pretty much like in the comedy world, like comedians or improv, they've all seen it. And they, they all like this movie was it, it hit too close to home for a lot of my friends. I agree with that completely. Yeah. <clears throat> And, and part of the reason that we decided to ask Jackie to do this movie with us is because you and I were in the same improv troupe together for like a hot minute there. Yes, we were. That was like, what was that, 2007, John? Uh, that sounds right. I remember you were in college. You were friends with another jo- member. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, you were friends with uh, Joe. Uh, our friend Joe Guadara. Yeah. And you came into the group and you were, did you, did it get to the point of you doing any shows with us? I don't don't even remember at this point. I don't, I don't remember. I just remember it. I feel like it was my senior. Yeah. It must've been 07. It was my senior year. And then I got like cast as like the lead in the fall show. And then I was like, Joe, I can't do this. Like Ah. I'm, I'm dying. So that's what happened. So I think I maybe did like two or three for her. I was pretty in and out. I was pretty fast. But. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember if we did we ever got to the point of doing any shows together, but I I remember liking you and remember thinking you were good and I was Thank sorry you. that you left the group and I was happy to like reconnect with you a few years after that when we were both doing comedy. You you well, were doing how funny was yet that? By then. What's Wait, say that again? Were you doing stand up yet by that point? In college? No, 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 not till after. No. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, that's so funny. I think I think that's how I re- Right, I feel like I recognized you pretty immediately uh, from stand up. Like when I saw you, I was like, "Oh my god, didn't we do that improv group together?" Yeah, yeah. So funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? So what? What? So you decided not to do improv just because you were just kind of weren't crazy about it, or you? I was just too. It was like senior year of college. I was like working two jobs, and then I uh. got and then I got the show, and then I was like, I was loving improv. I was doing a lot of it, but I was just like, "There's no way I can do all of this." at the uh, same time and be good yeah and they were enough. a really good improv group oh okay that's yeah. fair enough i could see that so All right. cool sometimes right. you got to say no even mm. though you're supposed to say yes and you know Ooh, <laughs> that's true there you go nice <laughs> there are just so many hours in the day sometimes I what know. was the show that you you did that you got the lead in 
uh, as you like it, I was Rosalind, which is Shakespeare, oh. and that's a that's a big mama part. So nice, you know. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So anyway, different okay. time. I hear you. <laughs> well, uh, like like we always ask all of our guests, um, since 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 this is an SNL podcast, uh, do you consider yourself an SNL nerd? Do you like what's your history with the show? Do you are you a casual fan? Do you really enjoy? Do you have any favorite cast members? Like, what's what are your thoughts on SNL? Totally. So I would say I I grew up watching SNL. Gilda Radner is like, I don't even know what words to say that possibly express my love for her and the genius that I think she is. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, have I watched it recently? No, I'll be honest. I feel like it's it hasn't quite hit the mark for me personally. Um and I also think, like, Don't Think Twice mentions, you always love the cast members from when you were a kid. Yeah. So I do highly agree with that assessment because I loved, like, uh, the 90s with, like, Molly Shannon and Sherry O'Terry and Anna Gosteyer, like, and Will Ferrell. Like, I don't know how you beat that, that cast for me. Right. No, personally. no. Yeah, that's – I mean, we've talked about that cast a couple times. That was, like – that was like the cast that came out of the the doldrums of the, that mid nineties era. Honestly, and, and like, the females were so strong. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's one of those casts where the females were like stronger than the males. Oh, definitely, I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, you know, no shade to you know Will Ferrell or Chris Parnell and uh, you know Chris Catan, uh, but I mean, yeah, like you said, like Molly Shan and Sherry Terry, Anna Gaston, they were they were powerhouses. Absolutely, they still are. Not that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler aren't. I love them too, and I've seen them do improv live, and they're they're gifted. But I just, you know, I was a little older then. You know what oh. I mean? <laughs> okay. Wait, when did you see them do improv? At UCB. Oh, nice. So you were yeah. you, you were at the famed UCB in the city, like on Twenty Third Street. Yeah, and I trained. I went up to three hundred one there too. Oh, oh wow. nice. Okay. So okay. when was that? Was that uh, in college or after college? Oh gosh, guys. Um, hold on. Let me just think. It, it was definitely after call. I think it was at, yeah, it was after college. Cause I kind of broke it up. It's a, you know, it wasn't cheap. So it wasn't yeah. like you could just throw down like 350 bucks. <laughs> I know. I know. That's you know. why I never did that. Cause it's not, you know, it's not just the money for the glasses. It's the money going in and out of the city. Totally. And you have to yeah. sign up like immediately the second it goes live. It was like very aggressive. But. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. always that's always something I've heard about UCB where the classes are so expensive and you know the whole thing just costs so much money. Like you kind of end up only having the kids that can afford to go to like trust fund kids and people with rich parents and stuff like that. And uh, kind of pretty shutting, much, yeah, yeah. right. And like you're shutting out all the kids who are kind of you know you know all poor and stuff. It definitely felt that way towards the end. I feel like the first the first level was kind of like everyone, you know, everyone was kind of like just like, oh, okay, you got like a bunch of people, and then once it started moving, you're like, oh, okay, so I don't have the right bank account for this. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try anyway. Like, so. oh, my credit score won't allow me to. Pay yeah, me. exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. But it was well, a lot of fun. It's good training for sure. Okay. I mean, oh, were, yeah. were you were you in any classes with anybody that went on to be like, you know, do bigger and better things? Any any people of note? Not, no, I don't think so. I think someone became a, a, a writer for Conan at some point, but that was it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Not that exciting. Yeah. So no. lot, lots of miserable failures. In yes. Your- yeah. <laughs> exactly. Who are now in debt, probably still paying off those classes. Uh. 
Bunch of losers. Comedy's great, isn't it, guys? Comedy's uh, wonderful. Oh, uh, follow your dreams, guys. It's great. Exactly. Fantastic. <laughs> follow your dreams, but only if you have a spouse with a steady job or rich parents. <laughs> basically, basically. So, okay, well, maybe we should dive into the movie. Uh, this is, uh, it's all about an improv group called The Commune. In New York City. In New York City, and they they uh, perform at a theater uh, called uh, Improv for America. Right. Um, I, I, but I also like, uh, well, there's, there's something that's like a running gag, not a running gag, but a running uh, thing throughout this film where it starts off with like six chairs being set up on stage, which is, you know, like a lot of improv stages. But then throughout the film, you'll see, you know, the chairs get kind of taken away, which, you know, we'll get into later. And it also starts off, uh, you know, describing and defining and explaining what improv is, because that's, mm-hmm. that's something I forget that not everybody knows what improv is, just like comedy nerds like me. Yeah. I mean, they get into three basic rules of improv that were laid out by uh, Del Close and several other uh, actors and teachers that he worked with at Chicago. And the, the number one rule is say yes, which is basically you agree with the reality that's being established on stage. Like, like if I say to Jackie, Hey, isn't it great that we're here at this baseball game? Jackie, yes, does, Jackie doesn't go immediately. What do you mean? We're, we're at a hockey game because then she's just undercut everything I've established for the scene. And right. the scene doesn't really go anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then he also, the second rule is uh, it's all about the group. It's not about one person sort of grandstanding and trying to be, you know, be a showman and mm-hmm. show off their skills. It's all about the group you know, making the best comedy that the group can make in order to uplift uh, the comedy and, and right. the show and the scene. Yeah, because the feeling there is that if everybody in the group is trying to make everybody else in the group look good, then the group as a whole looks good. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's it's a solid rule, but um, I, I mean, I haven't done too much improv or if any, but I imagine you guys have seen a few people that have kind of bent that rule. Uh, maybe oh, totally. Better. Come on, John. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can. Uh, and I think everybody is guilty of doing it at least once. I mean, where you take over a scene, whether you mean to or not. Probably. But like, ideally, it should be you should be thinking about like, well, hey, what is what does Jackie do really well on stage? She's got maybe she's got like a really cool impression in her back pocket. Maybe I could set her up for that somehow. And right. and then, you know, she's she comes in and she kills with that impression. And then she does something to try and make me look good. And right. then we're both making each other look good. And then everyone looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like like an example that I read in uh, some improv group or another was. And this is in one of Dale Close's books. And Bill Murray was one of the people that Dale Close trained. Uh, somebody established that they were at like a prom and Bill Murray immediately grabbed uh, one of the women in the group and he just started dancing in the background. He didn't do anything to take over the scene, but he was just, he just was immediately playing background in that scene. Right. Mm. So, wow. That, that's how you can just support your fellow improv players. That's right. If you don't look good, we don't look good. It's, it's a very Vidal Sassoon <laughs> theory of comedy. Yeah. Yes. The, the thread between improv and Vidal Sassoon is very, very short. So thin. Just razor thin. Razor thin. Definitely. And yeah. the, the third rule they establish is don't think. You know, and it's basically just, you know, get get out of your own head. You just, you don't think about it. You just do it. You just say it. 
And that that's so much improv is just kind of removing the barrier between your head and your mouth. So right. true. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why I didn't, I've never done too much improv just because I wasn't able to do that part. Cause like every time I try to do it, I'm very conscious of the fact that like, Oh, this, this is all fake. I'm not at the zoo. This isn't a, <laughs> this, is, this is ridiculous. This is all a lie. I'm leaving. I, I can't. I can't get out of my own head in order to Darren, just go along with it. Darren, in your defense, though, it does take time, right? Come on, John. I oh, feel yeah. like I remember being very self conscious about what I would say in the beginning, and yeah. then you know, after some time, then you start to just kind of go off your instinct. And I still do that with stand up, to be honest with you. So. Yeah. And I mean, it got to the point because I was in I was in the our, our improv group out of order for like five years. And after like a year or so, we got to a point where we knew how to read each other pretty well. And we could kind of see where where somebody else was sort of going. And you could also get to a point where it's almost like you go into a trance and you when you come off stage, you might not necessarily remember every single thing you did on stage. And somebody will tell you about it afterwards. And you're like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of remember that. But it really is almost like going into a hypnotic trance at times. Absolutely. All right. So You just made that very mysterious. Yeah. I like it. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, am I meditating right now? Like, that just became very peaceful. Wonderful. That's awesome, John. Yeah. Namaste. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, exactly, Darren. <laughs> Namaste. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, so the commune, it's made up yeah. of like six uh, members. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Keegan-Michael Key, who plays Jack, who's like kind of the ambitious go-getter type of, type of uh, you know, member of the group. Um, we have Jillian Jacobs of community fame, who plays Samantha, mm-hmm. who, you know, who's uh, going out with Jack. They're a couple. Uh, you know, Jersey's own Chris Gethard plays, yep. Yep, plays Bill. Um, uh, Kate McCucci from uh, Garfunkel and Oates plays Allison. Uh, Mike Birbiglia plays Miles, who's kind of like uh, he's a guy who's like in his late 30s, but he's still doing improv and he's still trying out for the SNL style show, which is called Weekend Live. And right, he and, also... and he's trained a lot of the people in the group, yes, exactly. Uh, and we also have uh, Tammy Sager who plays Lindsay. Uh, I thought Tammy Sager was like an actress or something like that, but it seems like she's done mostly kind of like a production stuff like she was like an executive producer on shrill and uh, i believe she worked on inside amy schumer and stuff oh, oh interesting okay. okay i didn't know that she, she was probably the person i was least familiar with yes uh, agreed going yeah. into the film like everybody else i knew to some degree because i was i was a fan of community i actually got to meet uh gillian jacobs like a few years uh before this movie because i did a an art show out in la in 2012 and uh Gillian Jacobs and Yvette Nicole Brown came out to see that. So, oh, that's so cool! So I got to I got to meet her briefly, and I have a I have a crappy uh, iPhone picture of of me with her. So that's awesome. Congrats! It was, it was 2012, and it was before you could take good phones with your picture, oh, or, right. or take good pictures with your phone. I knew what right. you meant. Yeah. yeah, took it on your on your razor or something like that. Yes. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. So Tammy Sager, I'm looking up right now. She yeah, she was a writer on Thirty Rock. She was a EP on Trill, Orange is the New Black, consulting producer on Russian Doll. She was an EP on Girls, Inside Amy Schumer, How I Met Your Your Mother, Mad TV. Yeah, she's done mostly behind-the-scenes stuff. Okay. Cool, cool. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, this is The Commune. 
And uh, they, like we said, they do improv in a small theater in Manhattan, New York City. And unfortunately, like a lot of theaters in um, in New York City, you know, the, they're they have to shut down because of rising rents. And like the, they say, yeah, you know, we're closing down the theater, so you know, you get it'll be closed in like four weeks or so. Yeah, which is a bummer. Yeah, and and we we're introduced to them. They're getting ready for a show. They're prepping for a show and they're just backstage and they're kind of BSing with each other. And like, we see, we see so many <laughs> things that theater people do. Like they have the little, oh, yeah. the, the superstition where they all hit the head of like a, like a little wooden uh, statue and they're on their way out and they, and they do it like a group huddle. We see them doing zip zap zop, mm-hmm. which, which is an improv warm up game. Well, so that is a thing. That is a oh, thing. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the thing. You get into a big group circle and you you clap and you say zip, and then your next person says yeah. zap, and then zop, and it just kind of gets you into the habit of listening to each other and responding. So that's you like can, the improv ABCs, right, John? I feel like that's like the yeah. easiest way of describing it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a much less wordy way to describe <laughs> it than what I just said. Okay, no, I like it. Uh, I actually, uh, you know, some trivia. I actually looked up in the in this movie, and uh, so apparently, every all the cast members had some improv training, with the exception of uh, Julian Jacobs. She's never done improv, so mm-hmm. nor, which nor, I was shocked. That shocks me. Yeah, I, I guess she's just like a straight up actress. So, like, in order to prepare for this movie, she uh, did some improv for like two weeks. To prepare. Yeah, and are uh, you serious? That's it. Yeah, and uh, she also they also mentioned like uh, Kate McCucci. She had done improv, but it had been years since she's done it. So she was, she took the two weeks with Gillian Jacobs, you know, sort of, you know, refresh her, uh, her, her skills. Gillian Jacobs looks like every girl that was in my UCB class. <laughs> like, I swear, when she came up on screen, I was like, did I know this girl? Like, I, I it, it, the whole movie was way too real. Did anyone else's, like, heart, like, my heart started, like, pumping. I felt like I was, like, about to do an improv show. Like, <laughs> we really started having flashbacks. Yeah, I was like, this is way too real. This is, like, too sad and depressing. Like, <laughs> it's just like, oh, my gosh. I love and hate this movie for its authenticity. <laughs> they re- I mean, they really get it right. I mean, because it's... They do. I they mean, really obviously, do. like, I'm sure Mike Birbigley has done more than his share of shows in crappy theaters. or I, And I don't know what his improv background is, but I'm assuming he has at least some. He's got to have some. He's got to have you some. You can't or write that from imagination. That's or, real life. Yeah. Or he's at least, at the very least, done shows with improv groups. So he's he's observed them. Sure. And yeah, I mean, it just, it gets so much right. Just down to the way people dress. Oh, yeah. How they act. Like going out after the show and just hanging whether the show went good or bad and and that's so much of stand-up too oh Oh, definitely oh yes absolutely yeah like so they they always hang out at this bar like not too far from the theater uh i don't Mm -hmm. think they ever say what the name of the bar is but a friend of mine told me that like he used to go to ucb all the time and he said that that the bar in this movie that they go to is kind of based off of uh mcmanus yeah see that's what i was just gonna say that's what i that's what i thought they were doing yeah, he said. Yeah, that's, he said. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely McManus. Which, like, if you were at UCB or taking UCB classes, like Jackie, like McManus would be the bar that everybody just went to. Yeah, you would. You would try to go in there because you would probably see like Horatio Sands sometimes. Like, I remember I, I would. Ne- I didn't have the balls to go in it. I didn't feel like I was worthy of it, but I would just like walk by it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just be like, oh hey guys, yeah hey I'm I'm cool I'm over here. <laughs> so you so you just kind of lingered. 
or along the outside, maybe yeah, pass I mean, by was, it three, four times. Yeah, exactly. I was still in. I was still in training. I wasn't that ballsy. You know what I mean? No, I I, I get it. Like you sometimes feel like there's like a hierarchy where you're like, oh, there definitely is there. Oh, there is. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So yeah. it's, it's not just your feelings. There actually. No, 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 no. Like you go to McManus if you're like on one of the one of the house teams. That's like yeah. if you're performing there on the weekends. Right. Okay. You don't go there when you're just in training. They know if you're in training. So if you go there, you're not on the house team. They just don't let you in the bar. Like the bouncer is like. No, no, no. I mean, I'm sure you could, but you know, I didn't. I didn't think it was like. A, I didn't think that was for me. The bouncer's like, are, what, are you in Harold or or no? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, not, exactly. You're gonna have to leave, sir. Right, right. Get out of here, you level oneer. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Yes, and your ass on out of here. Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay, well, uh, Jackie, let me ask you this: you're yeah. you're you're going to UCB. You're a, you're a, a pretty young lady in your twenties. Were you getting hit on by teachers in their thirties? So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I th- I think our entire answer was in that one syllable. Um, I'll just put it: I wasn't surprised by Miles's character. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, so yeah, Mike Birbiglia's character of Miles, like his thing is that we see him, he, over the course of the film, he hooks up with like at least a couple of his young students. Mm -hmm. And he is is a man who is 36 years old, but he's still basically living the life of a, of a college student or or just someone who's just out of college. Yeah. He's, he's old enough that it's just starting to get a little sad. Oh, I think he's a little older than that. But yes, I agree with you. But I do have to say, I was with my husband already at this point. So I can't say that I was even available. But there were so many, you know, it really was like a hungry time if you really wanted to. Because UCB was the breeding ground to get to SNL. So if you wanted to be in SNL, you knew you had to be on a house team. So instead of paying three fifty. dollars Every whatever, however many weeks, eight weeks, you could probably just sleep with your teacher and get clothes. <laughs> so I understood the logic. It's the easy. Know? It's the easy path to success. Uh, well, yeah, it, it's it's easy in 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 a different way. But yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah. I get it. I yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have heard. I haven't seen it with my eyes, but I have heard a lot of stories of, you know, like uh, kind of lecherous dudes who have like a modicum of maybe success or some type of status and like they, they would just sort of use that to like, you know, woo younger, uh, impressionable, you know, 20 somethings. Oh, absolutely. Their, like, you know, somebody was like, Oh yeah, I, I, I knew Michael Che. I trained him. And that would be enough exactly. to impress somebody. And like, uh, then you can get romantic. Also every funny always wins. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like if you're a really super, you know, super funny dude, even if you're like slightly attractive, it's gonna you're gonna be just fine. Yep. <laughs> Teaching like young girls improv, you're gonna you're gonna be good. It's gonna be great. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, Pretty but much. yeah, like uh, yeah, Miles's character, like I've I've definitely heard of dudes like that, and so it didn't really surprise me. It was just like, yikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think most everybody in comedy has has known a Miles or two. Oh, definitely. Especially then, if you're a woman in comedy, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. It definitely. was just, yeah, it was just funny when like Miles was taking her back to her room, and like his room is like he lives with like two other, you know, two other people in the commune because we learned that um, 
Jack and Sam have their own place. And right. uh, Lin- Lindsay lives with her parents because her parents have money. So the, mm-hmm. they, they own a brownstone on the Upper West Side. So she stays with them. And like, so she, he, uh, so Miles lives with Allison and Bill. And he has this one little room where you have to like duck your head underneath a pipe to get mm-hmm. in it and like, you know, hop on top of like a bunk bed. I'm like, oh, does this actually and, work? And he's, he's in just like this little sort of alcove. That's his sleeping space. So bad. And, he, and he's like, you know, oh, this isn't very big, but then again, neither am I. And and he repeats that line with a few different women over the course of the yeah. film, and you realize that that's like his stock line. This is like oh. his his regular routine. Yeah. So gross. And yeah. so, <laughs> so sad. So sad that a girl would hear that and be like, okay. <laughs> like, oh, that's okay. That's great. Oh, but, but but it in a way, it's like you know doing your act for an audience that's never heard it before. It's the millionth time you've run through it. Right, but right. To them, it's new. So. That's very true. That's a yeah. great comparison. That's, that's good, yeah. Uh, then we also have this scene where uh, Bill talks to his dad, uh, played mm-hmm. by uh, Richard Klein of, you know, Three's Company fame, Mr. Larry Dallas himself. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he's talking to his dad about, you know, his improv and like his dad seems kind of, not, he doesn't quite get what he does. He's he's like, oh, do you, are you still doing this? Like, are you still, are you making any money off this? Son? And it's like, no, but you know, I'm trying. It's like, yeah, oh, all right. And he and he's like, are you are you still? Do you still have that job in the supermarket? And he's like, oh no no, I got a new job. And we find out that Bill is like the free sample guy at at a supermarket. Yeah, he so, gives that that hummus. Yeah, like yeah, oh, that hummus, right? Most everybody at in in the commune, in the improv troupe, they have to work these shitty day jobs just to make ends meet. Uh, Jack delivers sandwiches. Uh, Miles teaches classes. Um, did they get into into what Sam does? I'm forgetting uh, what Sam does. I think she's a hostess, right? Did she's a hostess. Her? That's right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yes, we see her as a hostess at sort of like a ritzy restaurant. You know, the kind yeah. where you have to wear like a pants. A white blouse and neck and pants. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's fancy establishment. Wants me to wear pants. I mean, I I don't believe in those restaurants that make you wear pants personally. But yeah, this this is America. I hear their notes. And uh, but yeah, we also see Lindsay doesn't have a job. She kind of, you know, like you said, she has wealthy parents, so she lives off them, and she smokes pot all day, and she sees a therapist twice a week. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's must be nice. Must be nice. It must be nice, exactly. Must be nice being able to afford therapy. Wow. <laughs> must be nice. Can you imagine? Um, and we also see the group, they, they gather together uh, to watch this show called Weekend Live, which is a live comedy show that airs on the weekends. I'm assuming on a Saturday night. I don't know if they ever say for sure what night. I think we can airs. assume it's a Saturday night. Hmm. So I'm the, thinking it's a so it's a live show that airs on Saturday night. An interesting concept. I've never. I mean, hopefully yeah. it catches on. I've never heard of something like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, Miles, uh, he he talks about it in an interesting way. He says it's like the only live sporting event of comedy, which I thought was a really interesting way to look at it. Right. And then Sam says something like, "Well, you shouldn't look at it like that." Like. Comedy shouldn't be a, a sporting event. It shouldn't have points. It should, you know, they should be doing it for the love of the art. Like right. Samantha's, yeah, like Sam's like a purist basically when it comes to her mm-hmm. improv. Definitely. Yeah, she's doing it for for the love of the game. Right. 
then like uh, I think it's like what you said, Jackie, where they're watching the show and then they're kind of they're kind of talking about it the same way people talk about SNL, where they talk about like you know was it was it ever good or was the show mm. good because you know you saw it when you were twelve? Totally. And yeah. you know they talk about diversity on the show, like Jack talked about how he really wants to get on it because it's mostly a bunch of white dudes and maybe like one you know minority guy. So it's, it's a lot of things that you know nerds like us have brought up from, from time to time. Definitely, definitely. This weekend's live show, it's reminding me of something, and I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but uh, maybe it'll come to me before the end of the podcast. Oh, uh, Fridays? Is that it? Yes, there it Fridays. Is. There you go. Maybe a little less CTV, too. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah. And Living Color, that's it. But, oh, and Living Color is the best. <laughs> but we see, like, the opening credits, and they are... Like, as close to the opening credits of SNL as you can get without being sued. <laughs> Definitely. I thought the same thing, John. I was like, okay, we're really, we're really uh, handing this over heavy. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. like, very obvious. But Yeah, and, and apparently I saw it not too long ago. Mike Bariglia was guest starring on um, uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers. And he and Seth were reminiscing about, like, apparently Bariglia was kind of nervous about what, the people at the real Saturday Night Live might say about this. And I think Seth Meyers just kind of had to break it to him. He was like, Lauren's not going to watch your movie, dude. <laughs> I was, was just going to say that. I was like, I'm sure they didn't even watch it. I mean, it's it's a pretty, it's it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's a small scale movie and it's a low budget movie. So yeah, yeah it, was made, it, it was made for it was two probably, mil. Yeah, it was probably under below Lauren's radar. Yeah, definitely. I don't remember hearing about it, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, it, it was one of the like, small indie movies. And like if it's like one of those movies where if you follow, you know, like comedy super seriously or you listen to comedy podcasts, then you heard about it. I don't think like the main, like the mainstream folks knew about this film. Yeah, it's, it's never the type of film that would get a wide release, I don't no, think. No, definitely not. I mean, like I, I went to... I had to go see it at, like, the one theater in Montclair, New Jersey that was playing, which was sort of like the indie-type theater where all right. the, they get all the art house stuff there. Yeah, and, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And uh, Darren, I'd imagine that's the theater where you saw it, too. That's exactly where I saw it. Shout out exactly. to... It's a great theater. Yeah. Great theater. And I think it's reopening now, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in October, it'll be back open. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, the next show happens. The next improv show, uh, you know, the next night. And uh, the owner of the theater, her name is Bonnie, I believe. Uh, she lets the guys, she lets the team know, hey, we're going to hold off for about 10 minutes because uh, some producers from uh, Weekend Live are going to be in the audience. Right. And like course, Hugh Finn, who I think is supposed to be the big star of the show, they say yes. he's coming to see the show and he's bringing some producers. So it's sort of an unofficial tryout for the show. Right. And if it, they like what they see, maybe they'll ask you to audition. Right. And they also mentioned that Hugh Finn was in. Um, what, he knows Miles because like they were in the same improv troupe together, but yes. like you know, Weekend Live chose Hugh instead of Miles, so they're right. which that'll come into play later. So, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so they learned that some some of the producers from the show are going to be in the audience, and then like Miles immediately looks at Jack and be like, "Hey, don't do any of that showboat and shit," you know? Yeah. Again. <laughs> like, like yeah, right don't, off don't the show rip. off like you did the last time. Somebody important was in the crowd, right. and in the show. Jack showboats and he works in his Obama impression, which is Keegan Michael Key's Obama impression, <laughs> which is a great Obama impression, actually. It's solid, yeah, yeah. Um, and he and he's going out all by himself, and 
but you know it's improv so they roll with it right and uh, oh we should also mention uh for some reason bill didn't wasn't able to make this uh, show he didn't show up which we'll get into a little bit later yeah yeah and uh after the performance um we they talked to uh hugh finn big big time weekend live star and also uh one of the the female stars on there i didn't write down that character's name it's uh, uh, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. It was yeah, like Alicia or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and they're just hobnobbing. And he, over the course of the conversation, Miles finds out he wasn't invited to Hugh's wedding, and Miles actually introduced Hugh to his up uh, his soon to be wife. Yeah. Yikes. So there's it's a whole lot of resentment going on under the surface, bubbling up. Yeah, because I think uh, it's like you said. I think uh, the. Uh, the female cast member uh, Alicia Bonham mentioned, like, "Oh, you, you and Hugh knew each other from back in the day, the improv day. So you're probably going to be at his wedding, right?" And then, like, that's when it got awkward. And then he was, she was like, "Uh, you know, it's going to be a small thing. Not a lot of yeah. people going to be there. And, you know, you know, yeah, yeah." So, oh. but after the show, um. Uh, Jack and Sam, they both get a call from Bonnie, the lady who runs the theater, and they say, hey, the Weekend Live people liked you. They'd like you to both to audition for the show on Thursday. So, Yay! Yeah, uh, which is super exciting. Super yeah. exciting. Um, yeah. Jackie, this this was your first time seeing the movie, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. So Darren and I, we'd both seen it before. What What are you thinking of the movie at this point? Well, I was thinking that... I. I know that that happened at UCB. Like there was industry night. So I was like, oh, this is good. Did I think that it would happen that fast? Probably not. Yeah. Like that they would call and would be in. But I was like, that's probably really feasible for sure. But I they, knew it was going to be the other cast members were going to be pissed. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They do really collapse the timeline. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. You know, it's like the Miss Maisel uh, timeline too, where it's like, she's doing stand up for two days and then suddenly she's <laughs> whatever opening up for uh, what's his name? Oh, the Lenny like a, Bruce. Yeah, Lenny Bruce. Exactly. You're like, yeah. I'm like, what? That yeah. can't happen. Even no, no, show. that's totally how comedy works, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You do two open mics, and you're opening up for Bill Burr. Right, right, right. right. Comedy. Exactly. We all choose to do the VFW gigs. You know right. What I mean? For right. the love of the earth. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. My second gig in comedy was at an ice cream parlor in Bortontown. <laughs> Is that true, John? That is true. That is 100% true. After I, did my, after I did my first uh, night at Tierney's, uh, one of the other comics there uh, asked me to do a, uh, um, a show at, at an ice cream parlor in Bordentown. And when I got there, uh, oh. then I found out I had to host the show. And I had like maybe 10 minutes of material total at this point. Oh, oh my God. So not ready to host anything. Please tell me it was oh. paid. Um, of I, course it wasn't. I honestly can't remember because this is like 2011, 2012, something like that. No. Um, Oh, I dude. might have no. gotten paid something. Yeah, I think I probably got a, paid a little something. Oh, All right. All right. ice cream! You get paid in ice cream? What happened? I did not. I did not have any ice cream that Oh, night, you didn't get think. any? Oh my god! It's like we don't. I, I probably got like twenty bucks or something like that. We don't have any money, but here's some Rocky Road. <laughs> yeah. Have a scoop. 
Uh, that was that was a trial by fire. <laughs> wow. Oh boy. Oh, John, that put a smile on my face. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Nothing funnier than your friends bombing. Hello. Wait, did you? But did you really bomb, John? Um, it was mixed. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was I was too new to totally know what I was doing, especially. No, I know that hosting with like you know a half hour notice before the show. <laughs> Yeah, that that's, oh, that's that's messed up. That's yeah. messed up. I think it was literally like the the person who who got me the gig. Uh, they would have hosted, but I think they probably got some other job. So I was like the backup. In case. Wait, was it just how many comics were on the show? Um, probably. How is this not emblazoned in your mind? <laughs> <laughs> This should be traumatizing. You should be waking up in a I cold, know. In a, waking up in a cold sweat. It, it was like three or four of us total. I think I have no idea why I ended up hosting instead of one of the other people who was more experienced. Surely more experienced. Wow. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. You fish. yes and you yes and I yeah I yes and and I should have just been like no I can't yes, do this you yet should, exactly you should have been like I don't I'm not ready. <laughs> Maybe you should have thought twice. Oh, yeah. well done, Derek. Hey, Thank yeah. you for that. Yes, and see, no, no I love that. Yes, right. No so, improv training. <laughs> so okay, so so Jack and Sam, they've got the really good news. They're they get to audition for Weekend Live, which is it's like the Saturday Night Live of comedy. Um, and uh, then we then Bill shows up after the show, and we find out why he missed the performance. It turns out his dad was on his motorcycle and he actually got run off the highway by an 18 wheeler and he's in the hospital. So that's not good. No. Yeah. This scene was like, I don't know. It was, it was like cringy. And also I laughed so I like, cause like after like Bill tells everybody, yeah, my dad's in the hospital. And like, there's this somber moment. Everybody's sad. And like, yeah. you know, Jack and Sam. And, and he has to tell them all, this is not a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, that's something that you have to do when you have comedian friends. You have to be like, no, no, yeah. let's not joke. Not no, no joke, no joke, no joke. Yeah, you have to like, you have to like separate joke, you know, joke uh, times from real times. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, so after Bill tells everybody, yeah, my dad got, he's in the hospital now. I don't know if he's gonna make it. And then Jack just says, uh, so uh, also we we have some news too. <laughs> Oh my god! Did you not die? I died. I was like, I was like, read the room. Why are you doing this? Jack picks his moments. Um, yeah, and everyone's just like, oh, that's that's great, man. Congratulations. I mean, yeah, and like, like Bill tries to be happy for him. It's wait like, oh. a day or two. Yeah, it's like, yeah. So, uh, so, so, what are you gonna do? You're going you're gonna to do Alex Rodriguez in a cell phone store? That's a good one. Yeah, and then they start suggesting bits that he could do for his audition. Well, can you? Can we really blame him, though? Because think about it. Your dad, like, is dying or is maybe going to be dying, and that's yeah. why you miss, your like, the audition you're waiting for. Like, yeah. I felt so bad for him. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, it really is a blow on top of another blow. Yeah. And, yeah, because it really is his dream. And and Bill's another one of those guys in the group who's who's maybe getting a little older. And over the course of the film, he's just like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Maybe it's just not going to happen for me. Maybe I should move on and do something else with my life. Yeah. I mean, he has that great line in the, later on in the movie where he says how in your 20s, it's all about, you know, dreaming big and hoping. And your mm-hmm. 30s, 
is spent how thinking about how dumb it was to do all that dreaming big. It's all about realizing how dumb it was to hope. And oh my I God, felt that cool. so deeply. <laughs> I felt that. I was like, oh my God, that hurts. That is too true. It hit too close to home. It really did, though. It's like optimism. What was I thinking? Yeah. I mean, I feel like improv pays even less than stand-up, though, you guys. Like, I feel like any improv show I did in the city was like maybe 10 bucks. Yeah. Damn. Really? Maybe yeah. ten. Because you're paying everybody in the group, and everybody in the group is splitting that. And yeah, because yeah. you're renting. It. I don't know. We did like yeah. I was in varying various bars and stuff, and like you still have to pay for it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm. Yeah. So, so, so all right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. All right. So uh, so the you know the the commune is there for Bill. They drive him out to Philadelphia to see his dad. I think they take Lindsay's dad's car uh, to mm-hmm. go see his father in the hospital. You know, and it's, it's you know, it's, it's all them sort of coming together and being there for him. And then yeah. when they drive back into the city, they did this kind of thing that I could definitely see like improv people or just people and, you know, comedians doing where they kind yeah. of make inappropriate jokes about oh, his yeah. dad to make him feel better. Yeah. Like Bill, he, he starts saying like, well, there was because his dad is uh, he had a, an emergency craniotomy to remove the blood, they said. And so his dad can barely speak, but he said at one point, he said, thank you. And he sort of imitates his dad's voice saying, thank you. And then one of the other people in the car just goes, oh, Bill, that's our miles. That's wrong. It was more like, thank you. And then they (laughs) start doing their own version of Bill's dad's voice. (laughs) And I could totally see. Some comedians or improv people doing that exact same thing. We're, oh, 100%. Yeah. It's 100% the way comedians joke with each yeah. other. It's like, yeah. I mean, because we, we hear jokes all the time, day in, day out. And it takes really, you, you kind of build up an immunity to regular jokes. And it, right. it, it takes more extreme things to make you laugh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but it, it's all done out of love. It's not. It's not as like malicious or anything. No, I mean because everybody in the car is laughing, but it and it it totally captures that interaction between comics. Yeah. It's kind of a sweet Definitely. moment, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's the next day. Jack and Sam have the audition at Weekend Live. Uh, Jack, they're both preparing and rehearsing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack is ready to go, and he says, "Sam, all right, Sam, we got to go. We, you know, if we're going to make this audition." Uh, but Sam, you know, she kind of holds back for a little bit. She's like, "Oh, I need time to prepare." You go without me, and Jack is like, "What? Yeah. Like, no, we can go right now. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll and, wait. I'll wait for you." And yeah, and she says, "Look, I I need more time to prepare. Your audition's at four. Mine's at four fifteen. I'll just meet you there." That makes no sense. <laughs> no sense. That <laughs> made me very angry. <laughs> I was like, "What are you doing? Just go with him." Like, I uh, oh, <laughs> my inner comedian was just like, "That's that's horseshit." <laughs> It's yeah, it's uh, so so Jack, he goes off to the audition at this 30 Rock esque place. I don't think they ever have an establishing shot of the building, but it's as much like 30 Rock as you can imagine. Um, And he goes in. We have a little cameo from Pete Holmes. Yeah, we got Petey, Petey in the, in the in the building. That made me laugh. I was Pete like, Holmes oh. comes out and he's just like, "Yes, I nailed it." Yeah, he's on a phone. <laughs> Ray Romano bit, and they loved it. Yeah. I crushed it. Yeah, that that was familiar too. 
<laughs> it's just like there's always someone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So then we see uh, Jack waiting for it to have his audition. Then we do see Sam go into the building, get her yeah. ID, and uh, mm-hmm. make her way up to the elevator. And then, like, and she she, she kind of goes down the hallway, and then she kind of freezes, like, freaks out a little bit in her, inside, and, and then leaves. She bails on the audition. She never did it. She chickens out, yeah. Which is, I don't know, it's, it's very telling. I hated that. I didn't like that at all. Uh, why is that? Just because, like, it was, like, a big opportunity, and she just, like, flaked yeah, on I it? Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I don't know that she would have flaked. I think if she was going to flake, she wouldn't have gone into the building. I think, yeah, I think part of me thinks, yeah. like, once she got into the building, she saw, like, the, the seriousness of it sort of sunk in. Like, it became real, like, too real for her. And no, maybe she I know. That. So, uh, I, I think also the movie was trying to play it a little ambiguous at this point. We're supposed yes. to think that she went in, but it didn't go well. Well, that's what I was hoping for, to be honest with you. Yeah. And then it was, and then it was clear that that's what I would, that's what I thought they were going with. Yeah. And I was wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she didn't, she didn't even work up the, uh, the courage to go in. And then we see, and Jack gets on the show and we see him with, the rest of the commune group at the bar later that night. And he's kind of telling them all that. And he, he tells it to them just step by step and he, he breaks it to them. And then they all kind of realize what that means. And they're like, Oh wow. Oh wow. Congratulations. But they inside, they're all just like, well, why isn't this happening for me? It's, totally. I mean, it's such a great scene the way they played it because Jack yeah. is telling them this good news that, yeah, I got the part I'm on weekend live and it's happy news. And everybody should be happy, and no one is happy. <laughs> right. Because, like, everybody's, like, every, like the realization is sinking for everybody. Like, oh, this this guy I knew who I worked with side by side got the part. Like, how come I didn't get it? Like, you know, what did he have that I didn't have? And all that, like, you know. And we were in the same show. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, we were working together. And, yeah. And, and those are all natural feelings to have. but they, But they all try to be happy for their friend at the same time. Yeah. And uh, then I think uh, Jack also says, yeah, I don't know where Sam is. Like uh, I told her to meet me here and she's not here yet. She's been avoiding. She hasn't texted me or called me back, but then Sam Mm -hmm. meets up with them and she says, oh yeah, I didn't go to the audition. Uh, And then she makes up some lie like saying, oh yeah. She says I was late and they didn't let me in. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And they're like, what? You were 20 minutes late and they didn't let you in. That's weird. That, that doesn't sound (laughs) Plausible? No, it doesn't, does it, John? It does not. Yeah, and it's just like every, like, I don't know. I think everybody's sort of had a realization that this is going to change things. This is going to change the whole dynamic. This is yeah. like, it's, it's, I, I really like the way they played it because it's very real. Very yeah. real. So. And everybody's also like, well, are you going to make it to the last three, four shows that we have at the theater before it closes down? And he's like, well, hey, I'm going to do my best. And, you know, but I want to put my best foot forward at work. And yeah, I mean, and that's a fair statement for him to make. Like, I kind of like how mm-hmm. they played, you know, Jack and everybody like no one's really wrong here. No one's really a jerk. Everybody's like, I don't think Jack was a jerk because, you know, like like you said, like it's his first year there. He wants to make a good impression. But at the same time, you can see how that can come across as being like maybe he's like, you know, all high and mighty or has a big head to the other members of the commune. Where it's like, oh, he's not going to look out for me now because he's because he has this big thing now. And he's Mr. Weekend Live. La di da. Right. But at the same time, it's it's like a big thing and it's a life changing thing. So, 
Right. Yeah, yeah, you totally see where he's coming from. Yeah, and so after they all meet up, like there's that awkward tension between Jack and Sam as they go home, and and Jack is like, "All right, what really happened? How come you, how come you didn't do your audition?" And she kind of, you know, brushes it off, saying, "Yeah, I told you, I was late. They wouldn't let me in." Yeah, and they don't, yeah. you know, they don't really, uh, like, again, like there's something in between them there where it's like there's something needs they need to have a conversation about this, but they're not, so they just kind of yeah. brush it off. And then there's that montage of everybody else in the commune going online and Googling Jack's name and seeing yeah. the articles that pop up from Splitsider. They're seeing articles on like Splitsider saying yeah. like, Weekend Live adds Jack Mercer to the cast. And and this is like, I, th- I think it's supposed to be on the same night or maybe at most the next night. So the, the news breaks fast. Yeah, sure. yeah it does. Uh, uh, so, so then the next day, uh, Miles tells Sam that he wants Sam to teach his uh, class, his one-on-one class, because Miles mm-hmm. is like, I need to, I need to hunker down and work on getting on Weekend Live. I need, I need to focus on me and do my writing. Um, right. So, and everybody's sort of preparing for the venue to shut down the theater. Um, Bill finds a place in Midtown Manhattan for the groups to continue doing their show, um, but like it's like it's like. It's like a kind of like a fancy jazz club, but yeah. he says the guy he, he may be the guy says he might be able to do some things, but they'd have to pay some money up front. They had to pay like four thousand four k. Yeah, and like right there, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> but everyone's like, oh, that's that's doable. We could probably do that. Now, there's also like a quick scene where we see Miles getting dumped by the latest one of his students that he's hooked up with. And we, we see her like the next morning, she's like getting dressed and she's like, I feel like a whore. You're like 40. And, and he goes like, I just turned 36. <laughs> but he's like 36 and the girl's like 22, which uh, that's a gap. That's a, that's a significant gap. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm not here to shame anybody, but that's, that's kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then we see, um, yeah, like everybody in the commune is kind of preparing for the the theater to shut down. We see Bill and Allison are working on a writing packet. I think Miles at one point says, "Oh, I'd, I'd get in on that. I'd, I'd work with a pack with you guys." And they're like, "Well, you know, it's already two of us, and you know, we're already yeah. kind of doing a thing. So you know, you know, you know." And, and Allison, she doesn't seem like a strong prospect because she's more comfortable writing in cartoon form. She yeah, like I thought that to, was interesting. She doesn't want to type up a script. And by the way, the the cartoons that uh, Kate Mikuchi's character does are actually drawn by her because she draws in real life. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, she's yeah. really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that's a little thing about her character that I kind of wish they went into a little bit more. Where they say, like, when she was younger, she had like a lot of promise. I think she won some awards for illustrating. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to get to this when we get to this in, in the. In the theater. Um, she says at one point later on in the movie, she says, I won an Eisner Award for the most promising cartoonist, and I've never had one book published. Okay, the Eisner Awards are a real thing. Okay. And, but they do not give out awards for uh, most promising cartoonists, especially if you haven't been published. <laughs> they don't do, you do oh not get an Eisner if you have not been published. They don't do that. You can't send us some cocktail napkins with some doodles. <laughs> No, I'm just like, that's not like a thing they give to like high school students or somebody in. That's hilarious. And I don't know how I didn't remember that from my first viewing, but but it really 
jumped out to me uh, on this on this watch. Wow, um, that totally they, went they, over my head. No, well, I mean, unless you know the Eisners, you wouldn't. <laughs> I didn't even remember that. You wouldn't know it. I, they did used to. I looked it up. They did used to have a um, a category for talent most deserving of uh, wider recognition, but they discontinued that category in 2006. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you you have to have something published to win an Eisner. Oh, That's you need, hilarious. You need, you need that? <laughs> yeah. They, they, need, they need something to actually exist before they give an award for wow. it. It's really funny. Stop with all these weird, these weird qualifiers, man. I know, I know. It's a, it's a big racket. Um, it's all a but racket. I, you know, I, a little, little bit of a brag right now. Um, the magazine that I write for, Back Issue Magazine, that is uh, nominated for an Eisner for uh, Best uh, uh, Periodical, uh, Comics-Related uh, Periodical Slash Journalism for this year. We won in 2019, shared the award in 2019, and we're up for it this year. Woo! Um, so... So Wait we'll see God, what happens. That's great. Yeah. So that's cool. Nice, my friend. Very nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's not like the Stanley Cup where they send it around to everybody. <laughs> but, oh my but my editor would get it. So uh, Okay. You can't go and drink champagne out of it or whatever? Well, he's in North Carolina, so I'm sure Road if trip. I was using him down there. Exactly. I could. Road trip. Road yeah. trip. Uh, but what were we talking about? Shit. Oh yeah, Allison. Yeah, so like she, like you said, she won that award as a promising uh, young illustrator, and she's right. been working on a graphic novel for like nine years. Never did it, and like they kind of show why, because like I think she, they she showed some of her work to Bill, her illustrations, and she was like explaining it, explaining mm-hmm. it, and Bill was like, oh okay, no, that's I, I like what you've done here. This is really cool. And then yeah. Allison is like, no, you don't, you don't like it. It's dumb, it's stupid. It's and then just... she rips up the page in her sketchbook and crumbles it up. And yeah, yeah. So she's like her own worst critic. Like... And late, and later when she's talking about the thing that she's working on, it's like about a sculptor who like wins an award, and she's sent to a town to work on her sculpture, but she's too intimidated to do anything. So the, yeah. I mean, that's basically Allison's Baby character. Girl. Oh come on, yeah. you gotta love yourself, babe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't please everyone. So yeah, it's definitely a tortured artist insecurity thing that I think we all can relate to, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah I definitely felt that. Hundred percent. I mean, maybe um, maybe you guys. I'm amazing at everything, so I don't know. <laughs> no, we you probably we've are, Darren. <laughs> absolutely. We have established this. Shit, um, <laughs> gold, baby. Uh, meanwhile, at Weekend Live, Jack is just kind of settling in, trying to find his place on the show. He wants to talk up all of his friends in the commune for like writing jobs or maybe get them auditions. But uh, another writer who's already there, Robbie, played by Adam Pally, says, yeah, don't don't talk up your funny friends. You're in your first year. Just don't get fired. Yeah, <laughs> that's your goal. I And I heard that's true. Yeah. 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 I mean, because SNL, they, they, they burn through people. It's cutthroat. It's cutthroat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's fair advice. Like, you can't just, as soon as you get the gig, be like, oh, hey, here's five of my other friends. Give them jobs. They, they don't but didn't write. Chris Rock only do one season of SNL? Yeah, I believe so. He, he wasn't there for oh, yeah. very long. I, I want to say, like, two. It's, like, short, less time than you would think. 
That exactly. So I mean, yeah. that's really all that needs to be said. I mean, especially considering how huge Chris Rock came, became, like just a few years after he left SNL. Exactly. So yeah, like he was on Chris. I mean, he was on SNL for a bit, and then he went to Living Color. I think he was on that for a year, but like, in that right. like he even he says like his years on SNL weren't that great. Like he thought he he thought he did some okay work, but like he, he even says his best work is when he did his stand up, like you know, bring the pain. Yes. And stuff. Mm-hmm. definitely yeah that's when he really broke out absolutely uh yeah so then we have a scene where miles uh meets up with an old friend from high school uh liz and then mm-hmm. and then like they did theater together and then they start to sort of hang out and and hook up as well uh, yeah she's she's like oh I, you know i'd seen you posting about the gaming shows on facebook forever so i thought i'd finally come and and we see miles like kind of doing his number on Liz, right when she comes back to his their place and watch out for, for the pipe, she says, "I'm a 36 year old woman. I'm not going to stay in your college dorm." I loved that. I thought that was great. Mm. <laughs> That's right. She's, yeah, she's a woman. She's she's got her shit together. At least she's got it more together than well, Miles. Sort does. of. I was just going to say, yeah, exactly, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's got her own stuff going on, as we find exactly. out over the course of the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, then we have a scene where Jack is, is getting ready for his first show, his first big yeah. show, and he, he he says to Sam, "Hey, so do you want me to try to get you tickets, or do you want me to, you want to come in the green room and wait backstage for me, or you know, this is my big show?" And she says, oh, "I don't think I can go back into that building," and like, so yeah. she doesn't go with him on his first show. That was ridiculous, <laughs> right? It was like you can't do that. You can't do that. You gotta go and support your your man. You have to go. It's not about you, Sam. That made me mad. I was like, Sam, you know that you can watch. It's okay. Yeah. 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 I felt bad. I actually felt bad for Jack in that moment. Yeah. That's like so exciting. Sam maybe had like a like a PTSD thing going on. You know, like it was just so traumatic for that she chickened out of the audition. She just can't face it again, and like going back into the building would bring it all back for her. I know, but it's not about you. Oh, I get that. I get that. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. So, well, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. You say? Uh, well, I was just saying we're gonna we're seeing the commune watching Weekend Live, and it's Jack's first show, and he does his old uh, timey ticket taker character that he did as an audition, and they're all just like, "Oh, you know, it's it's not funny. Somehow this yeah. isn't funny. It it sounds funny. It should be funny, but it's not. Skill. So they feel like yeah. the show's kind of co opted him." Yeah. Skillful, but not funny. Right. Yeah. Which is what people said about my act. Oh, sure. my gosh. Uh, yeah. Stop it. I was, I was very proud when I wrote that notice. <laughs> so you're the guy. You son of a bitch. That's right. <laughs> this is why we don't do the podcast in the studio anymore. I can't, I can't work with this man. It's too much bad blood. <laughs> too much bad blood. And a pandemic. But mostly the bad blood. Um. <laughs> Also, Lena Dunham is hosting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I like how they kind of cut to the live show and then cut back to the commune watching the show. Cause, like, in the live show, it, it looks like it's an amazing show. Like, it shows some new hipster band, LL, playing. And, like, yeah. and like is that, that a real band? I don't even know. I don't think so. I'll look it up. I, okay. I've never heard of them, but it's like, I never heard of them either. Yeah, but like, they, like Jack is dancing with Lena Dunham, and they're all like, Yeah, this is amazing. This rocks. And then, like, you, you cut to the commune, and they're all kind of quiet and be like, 
staring at their friend having the job that they want. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, can you imagine anything more sad than people who like on a regular basis, just like talk about a late night comedy show and how, how disappointing it might be. It's, uh, that's pretty sad. Pretty sad. pretty sad, right? <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe, guys. Yeah. Oh, uh, so I'm looking. LL is an actual band. Oh, okay. really? Oh, an I didn't know. Indie pop band from Nashville, Tennessee. How fun! All so, right, cool. Yeah. So if you like uh, hipster stuff, go 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 listen to LL. Exactly. All right. They are such a hipster band that I had no idea if they were <laughs> yeah. real or not. But right. You probably never heard of them. <laughs> um, so after the show, the commune, they go to the stage door at not 30 Rock and <laughs> they're supposed to meet Jack, but they can't get into the party because they don't they can't even find out where the party is. So they're they're outside the circle now. Yeah. And then they wait by the stage door waiting for Jack to come out. But I think Jack is already kind of left for an after party and yeah. he's meeting up with the Lorne of the show. Some guy named uh, Timothy and like. uh you know, I, I'm just going to call him not Lorne. Not Lorne, yes. Not Lorne. <laughs> and uh, they have a very, he, ha- he has like a very not Lorne or Lorne presence about him where he's, he's yeah. kind of, he, I mean, he's talking to him, but he's not kind of talking to him. He's kind of putting him down, but he's also bringing him up. And at, at the end of their- he's a tough guy to read. Yeah. At the end of their conversation, he ends up giving him a wooden bicycle made by Bjork. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Which is so odd. I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be a gag gift or not. No, I just think it's one of those like eccentric gifts that eccentric rich people give. Uh, yeah, people. I think it was just kind of showing that not Lauren just lives on a whole different level than Jack. Right. You know? Definitely. And like he, he runs with all those important people. Right. And as, yeah. yeah. And as like, you know, as a new cast member, you have to be like, wow, this is amazing. Thank you so much. It is gorgeous. And it just, it just looks like a, you know, like a, like a apple crate with wheels on it. It's it's a wooden bicycle. It's not a good <laughs> gift. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't attractive at all. I yeah. couldn't believe he was riding it. I was like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> like, oh, I'm living the dream. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then we cut to another scene where we see uh, Bill and Allison giving Jack a writing packet. Uh, yeah. You know, they say, oh, we worked really yeah. hard on it. Please, uh, you know, get it. See what you can do. Um, and then of course, Bill, I mean, Jack and Miles meets up and, you know, Miles says, oh, now that you're in weekend live, you can hook us up, you know, I can get you a writing packet. And then like Jack is like, he's in that weird position where he's like, I'll look, I'll recommend everybody. I'll try to do what I can, but I'm not making any promises because he's like, I I literally can't do anything besides pass (laughs) on your packet. Right. And I I do like that. They show where he's coming from. Like. They show yeah. the position he's in. They don't make him look like some dick. And then, yes, Ma- agreed. Yeah, and I understand what Miles is coming from too. When he lashes out, saying like, "Like I taught you everything you know." You could just tell them that you can have the man that taught me everything I know. You can have they have you yeah. now. They can have the teacher. And it's just like I, I can understand Miles' frustration. Maybe I don't agree with the way he kind of lashes out at him, yeah. but I understand the anger and disappointment and frustration that's going through his head. Definitely, I agree with that a hundred percent. Shit gets yeah. real, son. It yeah. really was real. I really felt like even Jack, he, you could, you like you said, Darren, you could totally empathize with where he was coming from. Yeah, he didn't just, you know, come off as a douche. Yeah, and I, I really like it. It's so rare. I mean, it's movies. They so often they just 
they paint one person as the good guy and one person as the bad exactly, guy. Yes. And and here you totally get both people's point of view. And they have a genuine disagreement, but neither one's totally right and neither one's totally wrong. Yep. So Right. Yeah. Um but, but from Miles's perspective, he's just like, hey, the show already passed me over in two thousand three and now it's passing by me again. And now I'm at the point where people I have trained and taught everything I know or everything they know are passing me on the comedy ladder. And, and that's, that's, that's got to hurt. Yeah. That's that's gotta bitter hurt pill to swallow. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I think that's why I like this movie so much because I mean, we've always, we've all been kind of taught or been taught and been told that like, Hey, you just got to pay your dues, put in the work and, and you'll, you'll get there. You'll make it. And like, I don't know. I mean, like, I think we've all worked in the industry or, you know, in the comedy scene enough to know that's not 100% true. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, you do have to work hard. You do have to be prepared. But, like, there, are, we know a ton of comedians that are, like, really good at their craft and really work hard at it. And, like, they're, you know, they're still kind of not maybe at the at the place that they should be. You know, right. you know, we also know, you know, we know there's, like, some luck involved in it. And, you know, who do you know and who do you can help you out? I mean, there's like a whole bunch of things at play. So I like that this movie kind of paints out this thing that happens to a lot of people who move to New York City to try to make it. What yeah. happens if you don't? What Definitely. happens if you don't get yeah. there? Like, what do you do? Like, because like a lot of TV shows and movies don't really talk about that. And uh, and also it's like, you know, with comedy, everybody's path is different. Everybody's timeline is different too. Definitely. I mean, it could it could take somebody five years to break through it could take somebody who's just as talented 10 years to break through or even longer i agree and there's the truth is that more people are probably like the people in the movie than the famous people we know about um so i also thought that was like a refreshing take on the whole thing even though it was like sad it was really really true yeah yeah and honest i think to like the artist's life you know yeah very much so yeah uh, there, there are so many more people who toil away in the obscurity. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And I think the 30s, it kind of hits you where you're just kind of like, especially if you're living in the city in like that bunk bed with a pipe in it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. at some point you have to have some self-reflection and go, mm, yeah, you know what? Maybe I should work at Costco. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like I'm in my mid 30s. I shouldn't be I shouldn't be having like five roommates and eating hot yeah. pockets, for, eating hot pockets for dinner and. Yeah. Sleeping in a bunk bed. It's it might be time to to step my game up. Or definitely, guys. I'll be right back. My ramen noodles are almost ready. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. So the movie goes on. Uh, the guys go to visit uh, Bill's dad a few more times to check up yeah. on him. Uh, there's this really nice scene that I really love where they're doing an improv scene, and um, <clears throat> it's like um, it's like I think Bill plays a guy who's imaginary friends come back to visit him and oh, all the other yeah, yeah, all the other yeah. Yeah, yeah all the other guys in the commune go and hug him as is their imaginary friends and they're just yeah. giving him this big hug and you can see this look on chris gethard's face where he's like he's really kind of going through something it's like he like you can see like he really needs this and he's really upset that his dad's you know in in the place that he is but like he's so happy that he has his friends it was really moving i was like oh shit chris gethard did, he got some acting chops oh damn yeah. Yeah, I yeah. thought he did. A, I thought that was a really sweet moment. And it, it's that's something we haven't hit on yet is that in, in throughout the movie, you're seeing various improv scenes that the commune is doing together, and you can see how, especially as the movie goes on, 
the scenes that they're doing, they're either consciously or unconsciously reflecting what's happening in their real lives. So I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, like Bill at one point uh, after this show is when, when he says, when they're cleaning out the theater, he says, you know, your 20s are all about hope. And then your 30s are all about realizing how dumb it was to hope. <laughs> and, and he says, like, without improv, I'm just kind of a loser. Because, like, yeah. he's got this shitty day job where nobody, he's like, if anybody pays any attention to him at all. And he's like, but on stage, I kill. I'm a, I'm a god. Yeah. He talked about, and, like, that being his superpower. Yeah. And, oh, God, I felt that. I mean, I, I thank God I don't do this anymore. But I used to have, like, a, a retail job. And a few times at the retail job, I got recognized for roles I'd done in community theater. Ooh. Oh really? And it's such it's such a weird thing. It's like, you know, on on one hand, it's it's kind of nice that they recognize you, and on the other, it's kind of like, oh, well, it's embarrassing you saw me like this. Yeah, like, oh. I know, I get that. You feel like a fraud because they're seeing you not in that, uh, you know, like arena. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you for enjoying my work. Uh, paper or plastic? Yeah, right. It takes the mystique out of it. You're suddenly, yeah. oh, you do yeah. this. Oh, so you're not real. You're not professional. You know exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so as the movie goes on, we see that um, we see uh, Miles and Liz are getting closer. They're dating. They have mm-hmm. uh, they're having a coitus. They're having a sex- sexual relations. She, she finally goes up to his little bunk bed situation. <laughs> Yeah. Women can't resist so. the bunk bed situation. That's all I'm saying. Oh, boy. Lady. He wore her down. <laughs> it's like, you're climbing up this ladder, baby. <laughs> but I like that. I mean, even Miles, he's like still working to improve himself. And he's he's kind of, we see him sort of grow up a bit over the course of this movie. Right. Because uh, like as, after they've had, uh, you know, Congress. Uh, I... <laughs> Liz goes out for a pregnancy test because she, you know, she was she was feeling kind of off, and turns out she is with child. Uh, but as it turns out, she said this, it's definitely not uh, Miles's kid because like she was in Brazil for a while and she like she she she, she boinked some dude over yep. in Brazil. <laughs> That's understandable, though. You know, as sure. you do, we all can. Yeah. She, it doesn't. It doesn't count if you're in a foreign country. Like oh, absolutely the, not. Yeah, <laughs> never um, out of sight, out of mind. Pretty much. And and she says like her first thought was, well, I can't keep it. And then she says, but then it hit me, I'm not 19. Oh, that oh. moved me. That moved me. Whew. Not that that was my experience, but I do know a lot of girls. There's like the age thing gets you. It does. Biological clock, you. man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because if, if you're 36, you got to ask, is this my last chance to have a child? Exactly. My biological clock is ticking like this. Exactly. Yeah. And mm. uh, and uh, so when Miles hears this, he 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 tells her like, "Well, I'm gonna try to do the weekend live thing, but if it doesn't turn out, if I don't get it, I'm gonna I'll leave it all behind, and I'll I'll I would want to live with you. I would want us to be together, and I'd help you raise your child." Which is like, oh, that's a it's a bold move, my friend. Because he's ready. He wants to be a, you know, he wants to be a real boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a great way to put it. Yeah. He re- you know. He's got no. I mean, and I and I see where where that that's coming from too, because like like a th- a thing I loved about when I did improv was 
you're a hundred percent some a part of something bigger than yourself, you know? Yeah. Like when when you do stand up, that's a solo thing and you you own all the laughs yourself. But it is also very thrilling to do comedy as a group because then you can develop and discover things that you never could have found on your own. And so I, I feel like him wanting to help Liz raise her child, that's part of the same urge. He wants to be part of something bigger than himself. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. I also feel that's like very true, I think, to being a good stand-up host Mm -hmm. because you're, as much as you're supposed to be great and have good energy, you're not supposed to take over the show. You're just supposed to kind of hand it off to the next person and make it better than you, you know, that you had it. You know what I mean? Right. So I feel that... um, when I host a lot of the time. And maybe that is because I, you know, did improv. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I think that's a part of what makes you such a good host, Jackie, is... Oh, thank I mean, you, you, you do you do really keep a show moving along at a good clip. You don't try to take over the show totally yeah. in between each comic. If, like, somebody doesn't do well, you might do, like, a couple minutes just to bring the audience back. Of but, course, Yeah. You know that's that's what you're supposed to do, and you you keep it rolling, and you're you're able to roll with all the unexpected stuff too, and you're great at crowd work too. You're, you're one, thank you. one of the best, one of thank the best. you. But I think thank you for saying that. But I it was funny because when you guys were talking about the beginning, like the first few minutes of the movie, when they were saying don't think, I I really that's that's when I'm doing I think my best on stage is when I don't know what I'm saying next. And I was trying to explain that to someone and they were like, wait, you don't like write it down. I was like, you don't understand. I, it's literally like, I have no premeditated word that comes into my head. I just have to say it. Mm. I don't know. It's weird. That's me. That's fantastic. Do you, do you not ever write out a set list then before you go up on stage? I write out a, I write out like, um, like an outline. Uh-huh. Um, I would say I very rarely do it. Um, I like to usually just, I usually have like my first opening line. And then I kind of right. know to go off of where, like I, I have an agenda, but I also try to be like very present. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Does that make sense? I'm not unprepared, but I, you'll never see me like writing down jokes. That's just okay. not me. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That is cool. That was uh, cool. Yeah. I think being present is, yeah, that's one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in comedy. Yes. Was, was somebody else who's, who's a good host just said, you know, be present. <laughs> it's so true, though. And it's really scary and it's hard to do, <laughs> I mm-hmm. think, because I still think it's hard. It is, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing that, I, that still intimidates me about hosting is just because you have to sort of split your concentration that way. You have to be, like, keeping track of when to like the person on stage mm-hmm. or... And, and also, like, you're... Jackie, I'm really just gonna keep on blowing smoke up yeah wow <laughs> but, um, how nice keep going uh, but like, <laughs> it always amazes me when i see somebody like you you go you do crowd work and you do great crowd work and then you just smoothly segue into prepared material or like regular material at least oh thanks for that that's and nice. the thing that always mystifies me about that is just like how do you how do you time that out right how, how do you know how much crowd work you did and oh, that's it, the thing that always gets me. Wait, are you actually asking, like, how do you know when to weave your joke in? Or? Yeah, sure. I'm getting, I'm just getting a free comedy seminar at this point. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I love that. No, but I mean, I usually, I, I always need a light. I don't know about you guys. Like, I still mm-hmm. lose track of time. I hosted yeah. yesterday. 
And I would definitely say like my opening time was, you know, it's, I'm rusty. It was like my fourth show. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then towards the end, I had to do, I had to almost close the show, but still do crowd work because they were doing checks, which was like strange. But that was like, finally, when I felt like I got my, um, you know, like my footing, do you know what I'm talking about? So I don't yeah. think it depends, but I always need a light or two or possibly three. If my husband's <laughs> with me, that's honest. All right. Cool. Cool. Absolutely. Wow. This, this is fascinating. It's like a Ted talk. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm learning. Oh, I'm From... learning. <laughs> oh my I'm God. Learning. Uh, yeah. So as the movie goes on, um, uh, Sam and Jack have to talk. Sam, uh, admits to Jack that, yeah, I bailed out of the audition. I freaked out and I just didn't want to do it. Like I re she says, like, I realized that it wasn't for me. I don't want to be on weekend live. I'm happy just doing improv in the theater. It's, you know, she's lying. Let's just really? say Oh, that. wow. I, I don't know. I think she, she knows that she likes being a big fish in a small pond. And Jack you is, think? I, that was the sense I got. I think she knows herself enough to know that, yeah, she doesn't want to go to the next level with it. And that's, and I think that's fine. It's not for everybody. Like Jack is very much of the person, like you hop to the next thing. Right. He even says like, you can't do improv forever. It just ends at some point. You have to like, right. you have to, you can do improv, but then it has to lead to something. There's a, it has to be an end game. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, he's not wrong. He has, he's not wrong there, really. No, he's not wrong. I just, I don't know. I kind of thought, I think maybe because I didn't agree with her missing the audition that then I mm-hmm. had, like my reaction to everything else she did subsequently was just like, no, you're wrong. So there was a part <laughs> of me that thought that she was just trying to make herself yeah. feel better and justify why she didn't go through the audition. No, I mean, maybe it, she is. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I mean, it makes sense because there are a lot of people who have tried to audition for SNL. So like to see, just to see somebody in a movie, like, you know, fictitiously throwing away an audition. Like, you can watch That's it. That's what I'm saying. You can watch it and be like, you yeah. goddamn it, you bitch. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, and then to still do, I don't know. Uh, like, all of your cast members were killing for that opportunity. And you just walked away from it because you saw someone in the lobby say they killed it. You know what I mean? I don't know. There was yeah. just something yeah. about it. I was like, you still show up, even if you, even if you, like, eat it in an audition. Which maybe I've done too many times. <laughs> so maybe that's also... <laughs> There's a, right, right. This movie brings like, up a lot of bad memories. Yeah, that's how I felt. I was like, oh, you got, you still go through it. They'll know your name. You know, whatever. I, I feel like, yeah, maybe it's like half after the fact rationalization. That's how I took it. Uh, or And maybe half that she's like really asked herself some tough questions and maybe realized that, yeah, this isn't a thing that I want. Maybe I was just kind of going along with Jack because it's what he wants so much. Right. Mm, okay, and like, I could take that. You know, th- there was a story I read once where th- there was, um, and it was about a an, an actor, and one of his friends was was very, was a uh, a stunt person, and they were just very happy being at the level they were at. They were like, you know, you don't go through a door just because it's open. You go through it because it's a door you want to go through. Mm-hmm. And I and I found that very affecting. Mm. Um, and I I feel like Samantha's maybe come to that conclusion herself but yeah maybe it is half she's lying to herself i don't know that's a good point uh, I, I, you can see it both ways i think i was yeah. gonna say fair fair arguments for sure yeah so uh so then we learned that jack really wants you know sam to be on the show with her he, he even said like i really want us to be on the show together 
So he talks to uh, Adam Pally's character. I think his name is Robbie saying, yeah, yeah, I really want my, you know, I really want my girl to be on the show. Like, is there a way I can maybe get the producers to see her again? Maybe because she does improv downtown at this theater. Maybe I can get the, the producers to see her again. And then Robbie says, like, I, I mean, I don't know if they're going to do that. Like, maybe if you get the host of the show to go down and watch it, maybe the producers will tag along and see her, maybe. So yeah. that's what he does. He's able to get the host of Weekend uh, Live, who just happens to be Mr. Ben Stiller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we get a nice little Ben Stiller cameo in this thing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, ben, ben Stiller, best known for doing four episodes of SNL before he left the show. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. I think it was literally four, isn't that right? I, I don't even remember him being on it. He was on for like a hot minute and wow. he left, I think, on probably not under the best of circumstances because like he wanted to do short films. Uh, like he, he first got on the show, he did a, a parody of The Color of Money. Okay. Uh, you know, he was doing his Tom Cruise impression and uh, John Mahoney was playing the Paul Newman part. And I, f- I forget what the parody was called, but he did that. It got on the show and he wanted to do more short films like that. And oh. SNL was like, no, no, we only want you in live sketches. Got right. it. And, and so he went off and did the Ben Stiller show at Fox. And exactly. Right. Worked out okay for him. He did. Yeah, he did I would say right. so. Yeah. Like he was, I think it was like late 80s or something like that, early 90s. He was like, he was only on like literally for four episodes. Wow. Yeah. It was like so 80, 89, 90, somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah. And like he came in right after Mike Myers. Right. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. And if you haven't, yeah, probably a little before when you started watching Jack. I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't seen his uh, Tom Cruise impression, Google, give yourself a Google and watch it because it's, it's pretty spectacular. Oh, is it? Okay. I'll definitely, I'll definitely do that. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we'll send you some links. Yeah. Yeah. Please. <laughs> so, uh, so the improv show goes on. Uh, you know, Jack joins the, the group. And of course, you know, people in the audience recognize him and his people yelling out, do the ticker tape guy weekend yeah. live. You're on that show weekend live. Uh. And, and he's been on the show for, I think like literally one episode or maybe two. Yeah. And this is already like a big hit character. I guess people really like the ticket takers. So, so this is what I mean. Like when I was saying before, like it, it's an abbreviated timeline on yeah, this show. Absolutely. Like, you know, if, if this was, Happening in real life with the real SNL, he'd be playing a waiter in, in sketches for the first mm-hmm. half year or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But but he's already broken out at this point. That's right. He's the new Eddie Murphy. Come on. He is. He is. Um, so, yeah, he does the ticket taker guy in the improv show to because of the audience's great demand. And he tries to set Sam up for her Gina Rollins impression because apparently doing long dead celebrities is where Sam lives. What was that? I don't understand that. I know Yeah. Go, John. Go. We, we see her rehearsing earlier in the film and she's like working on her Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. And then, and then I don't think we, we sort of see her Gina Rollins. I don't know Gina Rollins well enough to really pick out an impression of Gina Rollins, but it's, that's an obscure thing. I think at one point Jack is like, well, that was obscure even in 1974. Exactly. But, but uh, you do who they, I mean. Now see, if they had talked about the fact that she, all of, she's not good at impressions yeah. and all, the only ones that she's good at are from like 55 years ago. Okay. Now, Sam, now I know why you're stressed about the audition. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, because that's that's got to be a weird thing on SNL too. Like you have y- your impressions and stuff, and I'm sure it's mo- mostly 
celebrities you are a fan of and that you like doing. But on SNL, you got to be, they're going to throw somebody at you that you've never even thought about doing. Like, you know, oh, well, this do this congressman. And then right. you suddenly have to figure that out for this Saturday. So Yeah, I think like uh, Bill Hader had that problem too because all his yeah. impressions like are super old, obscure. Like his Vincent Price and like his like Rock, yeah. like Rock Hudson or whoever. And mm-hmm. like he, he had the same issue too, where he could do like only older guys. Like he does an amazing Alan Alda impression, but you have to be yeah. you have to be old enough to know who Alan Alda is. Alan Alda is, yeah. But Alan Alda at least is more recognizable than Jenna Rollins. Like yeah. it, it's not the same kind of person or celebrity. Yeah, you know? that's true. And I thought it was really interesting that like Jack tries to set her up for that impression in the improv show, and and she immediately just goes. Oh no, I'm not her. I'm just a regular person. Oh, I know that hurt me. So she so she's denying, which is, you know, she's breaking that rule of improv. You're supposed to guess and. And it's just kind of like I, I think by this point she's kind of realized, no, I don't want this. And I don't want to show what I can do. Yeah. So it's yeah, their relationship is getting more and more strained as the movie goes yeah. on. Uh so like later on they all meet up at the bar. Um, Jack introduces Ben Stiller to the to the audience to the to the commune rather, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I really love the, how the commune acts when they see Ben Stiller. They like they ask questions I would ask. They'd be like, "Oh, I was a really big fan of your, your Eddie Munster sketch. Who wrote that?" And, and like things like yeah. that. Like, yeah, I, I would totally nerd out and ask about like obscure. Absolutely. And, and Ben Stiller's like, "Wow, that was a long time ago." Because it's like you know twenty <laughs> odd years ago for him. Uh, and they also say like, "Oh, you're really unafraid to play unlikable characters." Oh, that was the best, wasn't it? <laughs> and, and then, and Ben Stiller at one point goes, "Did you really think the guy in Reality Bites was unlikable?" <laughs> I was like, "No, no. I mean, you know, with the way you did, it was it was different. You know, you yeah, know, you know." And and like when Ben Stiller goes off to the bathroom, Jack has to tell them he's like. Guys, cool it. He's, you know, just just hang, just be with him. He's not on your podcast. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, like I think Sam gets upset with uh, him over him. What's perceived as Jack is to be like snapping at them, and then Sam yeah. is like, "Oh, I'm sorry. You know, we can't just ask him questions." Then she goes off and hangs out with her students for the rest of the night. Uh, we see uh, uh, Joe Firestone, who's a Big in the improv world, and we see uh, Gary Richardson, SNL writer, in there as well. Yeah, I, th- I think it was cool that they're showing that Sam is forming like a new bond with the students, and that she's she has the makings of a good teacher. Yeah, see, I thought I, I thought two things. I thought what you thought, and I also thought it was, I saw her trying to sort of reclaim or like relive the glory days of her that, her, that she had with her old troupe, like you know. Mm. This, you know that 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 twenty youth and sort of uh, wide eyed mm. innocence and you know yeah we can we can do whatever we want we're young we're in New York life's gonna be great because like she had that with her old group and that's starting to break apart. I can see I, that. Yeah, I can see that too. So, so maybe she's gonna become like the new Miles and start sleeping with like the twenty two year old dudes. Hey, maybe. See, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, Cougar Town. <laughs> All right, Mike Birbiglia, we got we got the sequel for you right there. Yeah, don't don't think twice in the bedroom. Oh my gosh! (laughs) By the way, I just this is apropos of nothing. Uh, Let me just say that Jack and Sam's uh, 
apartment, that's nicer than literally any place I've ever lived. Yeah, that's a pretty <laughs> nice. Like, How do two struggling improv comedians who work as like a hostess and a sandwich delivery guy, how do they afford this place? I agree. I thought the same thing. I thought this is actually quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, I was like, it's like, I I would move into that place tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, it's like a basement apartment, but still, it's pretty. Yeah, nice lights. Got got some nice, nice sunlight. Nice windows. Nice bay windows. Nice view of the street. Yeah, spacious kitchen. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'd, I'd buy. I'd move in. Yeah, yeah, that was after the weekend live money. I think. I think they just filmed it out of sequence or something. It didn't make sense. No, they're in that same place when he goes to audition for the show. No, I know. I'm only teasing, but that's what I'm saying. That's like weekend live money at rent. You know. Yes. Yes, I could. I could see a weekend live uh, cast member having a nice place like that. Exactly. But uh, right. which they didn't even mention. No one was like, "Oh my God, you're going to be making money! Like you're going to be..." No one said any of it. That's true. Yeah, they didn't really get into the money question. It was just more about how it affected their social dynamic. Right. Right. But uh, that would get really pronounced after just a few months or even That's years. What I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I guess after a couple of weeks, your your lifestyle hasn't changed that much. Right. That's true. So. Right. So uh, yeah. So as the movie goes on, we learn that you know Miles is planning on you know spending his life with Liz if the weekend live thing doesn't go out. I think we also have yeah. a scene where Jack talks to uh, Timothy, you know, non-Lauren, about the writing. Fake Lauren. Fake yes. Lauren, about the writing packets. And I think he says, like, yeah, you're, you know, you should write for yourself. You shouldn't have all these other people writing for you. He gives a very Lauren answer for a non-Lauren. And before that, he goes, I'm going to cut you from the jugglers with vertigo sketch. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the fake sketches that they reference that they don't, that they just mention in passing. Yeah, and you never see any of these sketches, but they sound like real SNL sketches. Yeah, that's true. And um, yeah, so then we go on to, to uh, we see at the next um, commune show, this them advertising uh, their next show that they have in that fancy jazz club, uh, Midtown Manhattan at the 45th Street Lounge, which I, right. I also enjoyed. This is like another thing that a lot of movies don't talk about, like how hard it is to find a venue for your shows and like your know, improv yes. stuff. It's yeah. It's a real thing. So it is a real thing. So then, uh, and and it's also tough to get audience to come out because I yes. mean, a lot, you know, in comedy, you got a lot of bringer shows where you're expected to bring like, well, if you bring five audience members, you can get seven minutes on stage. Mm. Yeah, no, that's and, and and they're plugging their their new show, and they're like, well, it's going to be a forty five dollar ticket price, which is. That is absurdly high for a comedy I show. I thought the same thing. I thought no one would be in that audience. No one was. I mean, they did pretty well for the audience they got, considering it was a $45 I ticket. I agree, price. 100%. Yeah, it's like $45 for improv. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> improv. So you don't even know if it's going to be good. <laughs> no, and that- that's that's exactly what I was thinking though. I was like, oh my god, there was a time where everyone had an improv group, yeah. and like people were going to see improv all the time. And it's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no way. And then there's only one girl, and you're only seeing one girl. Uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> if I'm paying forty five dollars, I want at least two girls <laughs> in the improv. <laughs> Count them exactly. Two. Uh, but yeah, so they they let the audience know. Yeah, we know it's high. It's forty five bucks is a bit much, but we're really trying to keep this thing alive we're really trying and you can sort of right. and like the way they talk about it you can kind of tell that they have they have this look in their eyes all of them saying like yeah this is like our hail marriage this is our like our last ditch effort to keep this 
group alive because <laughs> like if this don't work then we are we are done for so it's a very it's, it's so yeah. it's so sad it's just so and the audience is like is jack gonna be there because yeah. you know he's mr golden boy and they're like well jack won't be at this show but if we keep it going he'll be at the subsequent shows yeah and and the improv show just literally turns into them all bashing jack yeah they have like a eulogy for jack that's like because like the the suggestion was like jack wasn't there and so they yeah and i still eulogy for jack which is actually pretty funny actually it was actually pretty good yeah it was funny that yeah that was funny but again it's like sort of reflecting what's going on they're getting out their resentments for jack in their in their comedy right uh so we cut to the the show at the 45th street lounge in midtown manhattan and uh yeah they're all wearing tuxedos because they found these old tuxedos that they used to wear when they first started mm-hmm. and they're like oh we should bring these back these t- wearing tuxedos doing improv that's great people love that yeah <laughs> uh so it's them wearing tuxedos doing improv in front of maybe like nine or ten very uninterested people yeah. and uh the show's a bust they they're in the red. They make no money. And it's, yeah. uh, it's like, hey, we tried. We're not going to do anymore. Yeah. So uh, then we then we also cut to uh, Jack being in the writing room with his buddy, Robbie, Adam Pally. And like they're still mm-hmm. busy writing sketches. And then Robbie asks, you know, well, we, we need a sketch. Wait, I, I just want to give a quick shout out to the two sketches that they're working on that they mentioned in passing. Go for it. Scooby-Doo gets put down. <laughs> <laughs> And Kim Jong-un on The Bachelorette. Perfect. And honestly, I could see either one of those on SNL. Those could be sketches. Those could be improv team names. Yeah. <laughs> those have a lot of fact, you know, functionality, those two things. I mean, those sound like real sketches, yes. <laughs> so, uh, Not necessarily great sketches, but they sound like real sketches. Right, yeah. Exactly. It's fill up time. It's, a, it's 10 to 1. Yeah. 10 to 1. So so, J- so Jack is getting desperate because he doesn't feel like any of his stuff is getting on the show. Right. Uh, so then Rob asks him, well, do you have anything from your improv days that you can use? And uh, yeah. sh- sure enough, he does. He used, we, well, you know, well, as we fast forward, we see that the, uh, the commune is all dejected. They're all watching Weekend Live on TV, still in their tuxedos. I don't know why they haven't changed out of it. But uh, they're watching... Uh, weekend live and then they see a sketch with uh jack and the sketch is something that jack improvised on their show which is like a supposed to be a huge no-no in the world of improv like improv shows improv sketches are supposed to be things that just happen in that moment and then you just never hear from them again there's never supposed to be seen again so the fact that he used something in that moment for a show is like the biggest insult to the commune and it's pretty much the last straw for them. Yeah. I feel like it might've been better if he, if he'd asked permission, if he was like, Hey, would it be cool if I developed this improv scene into a full blown sketch for the show? Uh, I mean, maybe he didn't have time or maybe they were busy yeah. with uh, the 45th street lounge show, but yeah, yeah I agree with you. That she should... Everybody in the group feels blindsided by it. Yeah. And this actually reminded me there, there is like a real story with SNL, like uh, uh, Jay Moore, who was on SNL for a couple of years, he wrote a book called Gasping for Airtime. Jersey's own. And he talks about how he got so desperate for material at one point, he stole a bit from another stand-up comic and turned that into a sketch. And SNL had to, like, pay this guy when they were called on it because, yeah, 
So, I mean, and Jay Moore, he, he admits it in the book that he said at the time, he was just like, oh, no, this is just coincidental. Um, uh, th- thought I could get away with it. Oh, really? I had heard, too, that he had, like, stolen someone's entire set. Yeah. I, it was it was something like that. I'm forgetting yeah. all the details, but yeah. And, and you know, he admits it, and he's just like, you know, hey, I'm on that guy's shit list for life. And he's like, I never should have done that. But, you, you know, you you just are desperate to get something on. You want to make your mark. I you know? know. So I get, I, I'm not saying that was the right thing to do, but I get where that impulse comes from. Yeah. Oh yeah. The desperation. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, cause <laughs> I mean, can you imagine you get your dream job and you're two, three weeks in and you've exhausted all your material? No, that's terrifying. Yeah. See, I mean, yeah. That's the thing I think a lot of people don't think about. Like you spend your whole, career trying to get your day this dream job you have you spend all your you know all your energy and money and blood sweat and tears getting it now mm. you have to keep it and you don't exactly like the, you, you never right. thought about learning how to keep it and that's the thing that you know sends people into a panic yeah absolutely i mean like darren like a few weeks ago when we had cue card wally on uh I, I was queuing him up for a story that he told on Late Night with Seth Myers, and he was like, yeah, I've, I've got to pretty much retire that story because I told it on national television now. <laughs> so right. Yeah, I believe that. It's like improv. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so the, the commune sees this sketch. That's the last draw, especially for Miles. After, Miles is like, fuck that. I'm going down to the after party. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in Jack's face about this because this is wrong. And so all of them mm-hmm. follow him. They all go on to the subway in their tuxedos. They're all, they're all in their tuxedos throughout all this. Um, right. you know, they they burst their way into the after party in the bar. They walk up to to Jack. I think uh, you know Miles is pretty drunk at this point, and like uh, probably yeah yeah. Jack is like, hey, it's okay. I know this guy. I know this guy. Then they have a he, he's drunk and he hasn't slept with a twenty two year old in a few weeks. Yeah. So he's 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 you know hyped up. Yeah, that'll make you jittery if you don't do that. Sure. It's like when you don't eat a Snickers bar, you know, just <laughs> you're not yourself when you have it. You're getting hangry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, so Miles gets into Jack's face, calls him a, a fucking thief, and then you know Jack says, "Well, eat back up, back up. Like, like I've been trying to get you into this job, but it's just it's hard to sell you. People ain't buying. It. I don't know what to tell you." And then. Yeah. And Miles, I don't know if he accidentally punches him in the face he, or he slaps him. He like slaps him or punches him in the face, and he immediately is like, Oh, I'm sorry. You're right, man. And then of course Miles immediately gets kicked out by the uh by the security. Yeah. It's it's tense, tense scene. Yeah, yeah. And and Miles, when he comes out, like the other people in the group are like waiting for him out there, and, and he, he sees Lindsay and he's like, Well, why didn't you go outside? And she's like well, I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of my coworkers, and we find out that she has got she submitted a packet to Weekend Live, and she got a writing job. She was accepted, so she's going to be working on the show. Right, and I, I mean, I, and then immediately Bill and Allison get upset with her. It's like, what you didn't tell any of us that you were sending a packet to Weekend Live? That's really shady. Like we showed you our packet, and then you didn't tell us you were doing that. Like I'll, I'll, I'll I'm kind of on Bill and Allison's side. Like you. If you're all submitting to Weekend Live, you should let everybody know what you're doing. The fact that you, she didn't was like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so 
Yeah, and of course they attack Lindsay, saying, you know, you're not going to last a day there. You have no worth ethic. You all you do is smoke pot in your parents' house, and your parents have all the money, and they just give you all the money you need and whatever. Like you don't know about work. Because like she like Lindsay does smoke a lot of pot throughout this movie. She's constantly smoking. Practically every time we see her not on stage, she is lighting up a bowl. Yeah. Um, and then of course Lindsay a bit lashes back at it, Allison, saying, you know, you've been working on the graphic novel for nine years and you haven't finished it. And you talk to me about work ethic, and the group is really breaking up and going through it right now. <laughs> It's, it's 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 ugly. Uh, again, that one left a mark. <laughs> yeah, I oh, I'm sorry, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's okay. Um, it's okay, man. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> and and yeah, and Miles goes like, oh, you know, Lindsay, everything you've ever gotten has been handed to you on a silver platter. And Lindsay's it comes back at Miles saying like, hey, look, Miles, the truth is, you just don't have it. You don't. Yeah. You're, you're just not good enough. Yeah. You can't play in this league. Yeah, like, and, like he always, like uh, Miles always tells all the, his conquests that he was like he was inches away from getting Weekend Live, and right. Lindsay just lays out, lays it him out, and said, "You were never inches away from it. You were never going to get it." Yeah, it's uh, yeah, bitter pill. And uh, and the way that scene ends, he just says, "Fuck you, Lindsay," and she says, "Oh, you won't because I'm not 22 and I'm not your student." Oh yeah, that was quick, huh? Yeah. <gasps> See that's that's how she, that's how she got the writing gig. That's See how that's she got the writing that's gig. like I mean when you're really good friends with somebody you know, you know what buttons to push, you know you know what's going to get that reaction. That's right. And that's why I try to stay on well, John's good side. That's <laughs> that's like a friendship ending comment though. I don't know that you bounce back from that. That is yeah. You, yeah. That's pretty. That's pretty if, rough. Yeah. If I was like in Miles's shoes and somebody. It came at me with that. I, yeah, I don't know if we could come back from that. So exactly. Lose my number. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So then the, the group pretty much goes to separate ways, uh, but they have one more show to do, and uh, yeah, sure enough, nobody in the group shows up except for Sam. So yeah, it's the final day. The the theater, like you can see, the theater is like pretty much been stripped bare at this point. Like, all the flats are up against the walls and oh yeah but um but yeah it's i mean because sam is a purist and this improv group is all she has and it's all she's about she goes on with the show by herself and you know she's then she says at the beginning of the top of the show the, the question she always said at the top of the show is anybody having a particularly bad day which of course you know is what they do to sort of go into their improv and so right. she says that question and somebody in the audience says yeah it looks like you are <laughs> yeah. And she's like, yeah, I have had a bad day. Actually, I've had a hard month. She starts improving a scene where she's stuck down at the bottom of a well, but she and she's playing all the characters in the scene. And she eventually it comes out she likes it down there in the well. Right. And then uh surprisingly enough which is which is like weirdly affirming and kind of sad at the same I time. the same thing. It really yeah. is like I don't know this, this this scene was really moving I thought. It was really Yeah. It was really sweet because like Lillian Jacobs man, she's a real star. Yeah. Yeah, she did great. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it is like her coming to realize that yeah, I like just doing improv. I I don't I like just being in here in this in this well. Yeah. And then we see uh Jack come in like improv, mm-hmm. and of course the audience goes crazy, and uh, it's her 
And as Jack goes into his instinct saying, hey, let me help you get out the well. Let me let me help you. Let me pull you up. And then she said, no, I like being down here. I like being in the well. And and it's like it's basically them having this improv scene that's baked into this conversation that they should have had, uh, mm. you know, a while ago. In life. In life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe not on stage. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It was very. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we basically over the course of the scene, we see them both realize that their relationship is over. Yeah. And like, but they're they're OK with it. I mean, it's yeah, as amicable as it could be, I suppose. Yeah, because I mean, throughout the whole movie, we have seen like Jack kind of trying to pull Sam along with her to, you know, be on Weekend Live and to be all, do all these successful things. Like, let me help you. Let me help you. I want you to I want you to be the part of my world. I want you to do this with me. And he's just not understanding that no, I don't. That she doesn't want to do that. It's not right for her. She'd rather do this. So they've like in this scene in improv, they finally having that conversation. We're just finally starting to realize that you know they both know it's over and it's okay, which is yeah, it's really sad. But it's, it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, a really sweet scene. I think it touched my heart. Yeah, yeah. same here. Yeah, and and we had another uh, great uh, quote from Del Close. Uh, saying great improv is like assembling a plane when it's already in the air. Oh, I thought that I, was uh, so good. I just love that quote. That's there's another quote from him early on where it's like you you fall down and you figure out what you're going to do while you're falling. I mean, both of those oh, wow. are just oh, so good. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so we uh, jump forward uh, by eight months. Eight months later, uh, we find out Liz had her kid. And uh, Liz and Miles are a couple now. They live in uh, Naperville, I believe. Um, Allison finally finished her graphic novel. She mails it out to uh, some prospects, mm-hmm. uh, some agents and whatnot. We see Sam moving into a new place and she's teaching on a regular basis. I guess she's basically taken over for Miles. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, and then the, the commune meets up again at uh, Bill's dad's funeral because he's passed away. So yeah. it's like them kind of meeting up again after eight months after they've had some time apart. It seems like they're all cool with each other, which I don't know. I kind of wish they put in a scene where they both got together and like hashed it out like a little. Yes. Like I, I agree with I, that. I thought, that. I thought that was missing. I was like, uh, I would have liked to see how they uh, wrapped all that anger up and had that huge. Fight. I thought I, the same thing. hundred I, I, I don't know. I feel like this was kind of it. Cause it's like, you know, you're at a funeral. Most everybody's on, you know, kind of oh, has their terms. party manners that's on. A good, that's a fair call. So, yeah, and and maybe it's eight months. The wounds aren't as fresh, so I feel like yeah, maybe people are in a place where they're ready to forgive each other. Yeah, and just kind of fall back on their old friendships. Yeah. That that was the impression I got anyway. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, yeah, it worked for me. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, yeah, so then we see that um, everybody's there. They're they're you know they're having exchanging pleasantries. You know, uh, Miles is showing off his new the new baby. And um, by the same Rodrigo, Rodrigo, right? Because right, you know, Brazilian. And uh, yeah. also, we see that Jack is on the phone with with War because he's constantly busy. Um, yeah. And he has to take a uh, a cab out to the to cast a train back to New York. Uh, a car. A car. I, not, I, not a cab. They, they got a car. They got a town car. It's a it's a limousine service, <laughs> sir. It is an Oldsmobile. You show some respect. Because <laughs> he's he's a he's been a big time TV star for eight months now. Right, I know he's wearing suits. He has a cell phone. I mean, my God. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So now him and uh, Lindsay work together. 
And um, th- yeah. th- everybody seems to be okay. It seems they seem to be all right. Things are okay between Jack and Sam. He goes off yeah. back to New York to work on Weekend Live. And uh, Bill says, hey, my dad. And they, they, they mentioned this in the beginning of the movie, too, that uh, Bill's dad was in real estate. And he bought an old uh, porn theater that he was, right. was going to turn into a Sephora. Uh, but Bill now wants to take that old porn theater and make it into an improv space, an improv theater, much like That's much right. like with the UCB, like how that got started. Yeah, apparently UCB, the original UCB theater was a former strip club on West 22nd Street. I wouldn't and Amy Poehler told that. New York Magazine that while they were starting to turn the strip club into an improv performance space, one of her first tasks was pulling used condoms out of the toilets. Oh so boy! Just the glamour of comedy. Yeah. Just hire, just hire somebody to do it at that point. <laughs> well, hey, he's young, struggling actor. Um, she pro- she probably hires people to pull the used condoms out of toilets now. I, I would think so. Oh, it's, I would hope. So. Oh, in turn, <laughs> could, you, <laughs> could you please pull out the magnums out of them? That, or maybe she just developed a love for it and she just felt <laughs> like to keep herself humble. I don't know. It's, she, it keeps her humble. Yeah. It keeps her connected to the people. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So, it ends with uh, the, the commune getting together, having their own theater space, and them saying, yeah, we'll, we'll build an improv uh, team and, you know, help uh, build up the local uh, comedy scene in this in this town. Mm-hmm. And, it ends, it ends, and then they start doing an improv scene together about burying Bill's dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, again, it just shows like how in comedy you can just take the traumatic stuff from your life and just turn it into into comedy or into theater. I mean, I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's the movie. I really dug this thing. I like uh, I I loved it back when I first saw it uh, five years ago, and mm-hmm. I, I still love it now. Like I I still think there are a few places where they could have maybe fleshed out a few of the characters here and there, like the relationship between Miles and uh, Liz and. Like I said, like I really, I kind of wish they had like that scene where they all got together again and, you know, hashed out all their differences and became friends again. But uh, other than that, I really dug it. I thought there was like some. Yeah, I don't. I'm going to disagree with you there, Darren. Whoa. I don't know if we needed that because. Oh wow. Whoa. I, I don't like how much. How much in life do you really hash out your differences with people, or or do or do you more often just let stuff go? Uh yeah, I, I pretty much let things uh fester and. And stew, and then yeah. <laughs> I guess you're right. And then I bring it up. I'm just saying, as a passive aggressive introvert, I, that spoke to me. <laughs> you know what? You're right. Yeah, they wouldn't bring him. I'm not going to air all the grievances. I am going to push those down deep down inside of me, and it'll explode out of me at an inopportune time. Exactly. That's healthy. That's improv, baby. Oh right. Gosh. Right, Jackie. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, well, Jackie, what are your thoughts on the movie? What do you What do you think overall? I loved it. I thought. I mean, I I thought it was just really. I just thought it was too real. Like it was. Yeah. It was almost felt like a little more reality, um, like documentary to me than like an actual film. But I appreciate how close to I think real life they took it. Minus yeah. you know some artistic liberties, which are fine. But no, I definitely I was like very impressed with it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Fair enough. I, and I really feel like it got it right. Like all the improv scenes, they felt like real improv yes, scenes. Yes, John, I totally agree with that. I, I totally felt that. And I feel like even the space was real. Yes. Yeah. There was nothing, they weren't glamorizing anything about it, which was so refreshing, I think. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's like I said, like a lot of my improv friends were watching this movie and it, it got too real for them. I think a lot of people just like left the movie theater just thinking about their life decisions. Oh, definitely. <laughs> just like, oh my God, what, what have I done? And just... <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. staring off into the ocean, into the abyss. Like, wow, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't think twice. Don't think twice. Don't think twice. Uh, Good. Yeah. yeah so, uh, guys, uh, we highly recommend Don't Think Twice. It's streaming on Hulu now. So uh, mm-hmm. go go check it out. Yeah. It gets the SNL nerds recommendation. It gets it gets three thumbs up from the SNL nerds. Damn. That's not copyrighted, right? I don't think so. Yeah. If it is, whatever. Because there's three of us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's the ticket. That's what we'll tell the judge. So it's not somebody <laughs> else's intellectual property. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll, it'll be good. Because there are three people on this episode. Yeah, we got the non-pro uh, legal team working on it. Don't you worry. Okay, great. And uh, yeah, that's our episode, guys. Jackie, thank you so much for for joining us. I hope you had a great time. My pleasure, you guys. I did. Thank you for having me. I hope I can come back on again. Oh yeah, we would love to have you back on. Um, you know, barring you like having any kids like a couple weeks before. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll let yeah. you know. So we'll you know we'll work that out with your people. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I we appreciate. We are it. here to work around your pregnancy. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, thank you guys. Jackie, where can where can people uh, follow you and find out about you and go see you perform? Do you have any shows coming up? I do, um, and I haven't really been great about posting, but if you guys are on Instagram and you want to follow Jackie underscore Burn, that would be awesome. And that's uh, Jackie with an I-E and B-Y-R-N-E, You right? got it, yes. So... So Jackie underscore Burn, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Trumbull Comic. That's T R U M B U L L, and the word comic. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter on uh, at what the hell am I saying? Oh, Instagram and Twitter. Darren Incredible. Yes, Darren Incredible. D A R A Incredible. I, my brain just spazzed out for a minute. There. Sorry. You got mom brain. Well, now, I Darren. guess so. I guess. <laughs> oh my god, it's infectious. I'm with child. I'm with child. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, we're gonna have to bank a few episodes oh boy so. oh dear so. <laughs> absolutely and uh yeah and as always you can rate review subscribe uh to the podcast uh, follow us at non you could you could hit our, our patreon at non-productive.com mm-hmm. let rate review subscribe on uh itunes or stitcher or wherever you listen to your fine podcast that's right that's right and uh, we're going to be back next week. Uh, next week we are going to do, because, uh, you know, the Space Jam 2 is all in the news. That just opened. Everybody's all about the Space Jam 2. So we're, we're going to go old school. We're going to go back to the original Space Jam. Yeah. And we're going to watch that. Because it got Bill Murray in it. So that's... It's got a Mr. Bill Murray. William uh, Satherton Murray. So yes. <laughs> I just made He, he doesn't play defense. Yeah, no. Absolutely. He's all offensive. Uh, is his middle name Satterton? No, I just made that up. Uh, but the yes, they added me, no? No. Okay. No, I just, I, I feel very betrayed right yeah, now. I, I didn't think twice. Uh, but okay. yeah, yeah, we're, we're talking about Space Jam on the next episode. So tune in for that. And uh, so that'll be next week. And then until then, nerds, nerds out. out. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. 
This program and many others like it on the Nonproductive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.